Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Wiley Price has been capturing St. Louis for more than four decades. He's been a full-time photographer at the St. Louis American since 1993, but his relationship with the newspaper goes back much further. He began in the early 1980s, stringing for the American and numerous other newspapers. At the time, St. Louis had three black papers, and Wiley Price remembers that they all paid him $5 an image. Now, rates have changed, but his craft hasn't. And joining us today to discuss what he shot and what he's seen is photojournalist Wiley Price. Wiley, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you having me on. So you've been doing this a long time. What first got you started down the road of becoming a professional photographer? Um, being in, in school as a music major at UMSO, hmm. and uh, one weekend, had a really big weekend, Shot, um, played several gigs, got my checks that following week, and I had only made about $300. And I just thought, there's got to be a better way of making money than playing my horn. <laughs> and you picked journalism. i got to say, I yeah. don't know that, that you shot as high as you should have. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was very, very fulfilling. So I understand your dad was, is also a member of the St. Louis Media Hall of Fame. He's there he not for his me. eye. Yeah, he's there for his voice. Um, yes. He, I understand he was the first African-American to host a radio show. Um, That's correct. In 1944. That is amazing. Was he pretty well-known when you were a kid? Uh, you know, it's funny you should say that. When I started school at Hempstead Elementary School, Teachers kept coming into the classroom going, oh, that's him, that's him. So I finally said something to my mother about it, like, days later. And she looked at me and she went, oh, my God, I have to explain to you your history, your family history. And she sat me down and showed me all these pictures of my dad on the radio with all these famous people. And when you're six, that doesn't mean anything to you. He's not on TV. He's mm-hmm. on the radio. Who listens to, to radio? So I just, for a long time, I dismissed it until I got older and realized what my father had really done. Yeah. Now you have some appreciation. I mean, he was a true pioneer. Oh, sure. I mean, really, my my father passed away when I was 13, mm-hmm. and he literally got me my first job at the American. Really? How did that come about? Uh, I went came down to the American to show them my portfolio without a uh, a uh, appointment, and the secretary came out and she said, uh, Mr. Rogers is busy, but if you leave your resume and pictures, he will call you later. I said, okay. I got out to my car. She comes running out to the car. Mr. Rogers would like to see you for a minute. I go, okay, I don't know who this guy is. I go back in. I walk into his office. He looks me right in the face and goes, Jesus Christ, you look just like your dad. Wow. In my mind, I was like, oh, thank you, God. (laughs) (laughs) So that name really opened some doors. Oh, yeah. Well, oddly enough, Benny knew my father. He was a personal friend of his. Oh, wow. And, And it's interesting to work with someone that can tell you what your dad was like in his 20s and 30s. And yeah. being on the radio at that time, Benny said to me, he said, your father and I were the best of friends. Mm-hmm. And he started telling me all these stories as years went on. And a lot of these stories I remembered in our family. I was like, oh, I know this story. Wow. So the lucky draw of me walking into a place I thought nobody would know who I am and get in there only to find out. It's like he was waiting for me. <laughs> so that name, it opens doors, but I know it's also hard sometimes. Was it hard to be Wiley Price Jr. and to make your own name, not in radio, but in journalism? Not really, because, you know, it was older adults that knew who my father was. People mm-hmm. my age had no idea. Yeah. None. And so the, I, I, you and were I the mean, Wiley Price they knew. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the Wiley Price that they knew was just a photographer at the paper. And... With, with all due respect, in the 80s when I got started, being a photographer at a black newspaper was no big deal. 
if you really wanted to get attention, you needed to be a reporter. Hmm. When you're the photographer, people look at you. Well, back then, people looked at you. Well, it doesn't take a whole lot of brain power to take a picture. Really? Nobody saw, oh, yeah, I, I got that a lot. I still get it today. And, and were you ever tempted to say, yeah, I want, I want a job that gets more respect? Well, you know, well, for one thing, I, I wound up going through this, this trip through the African-American community trying to explain to them why you should let me put your picture in the paper. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, African-Americans are very suspicious by nature. We've been raised to think that way. Hmm. So sometimes I would have to stop. When people said, no, thank you, after I'd taken the picture, I would show them the picture, and then I would explain to them why you would want to see this picture of you and your child or you and whoever in the paper. And were you able to lower those defenses to, to talk them into being a part of this? Sometimes. Hmm. It happens to me every week where somebody doesn't want to be in the paper or they don't want to be in the paper because I, I need to use their name. Hmm. So uh, I've always had to teach the community that, you know, these stories are, are pictures of things that you want to be seen in a publication to uplift the culture as we know it. And that mistrust, do you think that mistrust um, has gotten better or worse in the decades that you've been working? It's gotten better, but I'm always retrain, retraining the youth that come after you know, I'm constantly seeing this flow of, okay, here comes somebody new and younger. They've got the same suspicions. I have to say the same spiel to them as I did to people 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Hmm. How much of your job is that kind of people skills versus the job of being able to frame a beautiful picture? The people skills winds up being the most important part of my job because of the fact that I purposely spend all of my professional time inside the African-American community. Mm-hmm. And because of that, you have to explain a lot of things to them about why they should be in the paper. This, this theme keeps coming up in my daily workspace that I have to stop and explain to somebody why I just took your picture and why you should let me use this picture in the paper. And do you find that people ever have any regrets after you've talked them into it? Are they generally pretty happy with how their experience has turned out? It cuts both ways. Normally, and this is how it works, when I'm at a family event where there's kids playing, you know, there's PlayStations there, stuff like that, I'll shoot a kid on an apparatus and turn to their mother or whoever and say to them, I'm Wiley Price from the American, I would love to use your child in the paper. And they look at me and they immediately are not happy and they kind of go off on me. How dare you take a picture of my child without my permission, that kind of thing, or I don't want to be in your paper, I've never heard of it, that kind of stuff. And then while they're chewing me out, somebody close to me would turn around and go, I'm sorry, you're one of the price at the American? Yes, my child's right over here. Please take his picture. I would love for him to be in the paper. That changes their mind. That's yeah. when they get nice and go, oh, I'm sorry, I-, I didn't really know. But by that time, my, my, my feelings have been hurt because you kind of trashed me in an unprofessional manner. So I, I take the, the second person. I go to the person that just realized who I was. That makes sense. And it's nice. You have that legitimacy that people do recognize your name. It feels like yes. everybody in town knows you. When we mentioned you were going to be on the show today, boy, we heard from so many people. And everybody just said how much they love talking to you, how much they've loved working next to you, with you. Just a couple. I want to read a couple of these comments that came in. Uh, Pamela writes, Wiley is there for every single heat up St. Louis event. He has captured 20 years of the best of St. Louis. 
Lewis, people helping people. Thank you, sir. Mary Ellen tweeted that you were one of her wedding photographers, and she says, thanks in part to Wiley. I have the most gorgeous and fun candid pics a bride could wish for. Um, Cooper says, I've photographed a lot of the same scenes as Wiley. I've noticed it doesn't matter what part of town we're in or what's going on. Wiley's going to run into a friend of his from somewhere. I think that speaks to his character. Do you ever feel like after so many years photographing St. Louis, there's almost no one new left to photograph at this point? There's always someone new. We have, we have always missed someone. That's the, that's the entire personality I take about doing my job. When I walk out every day, I always say to myself, I'm going to meet somebody today that I've never met before, and we're going to have a long-term relationship right after this. Hmm. And that's normally how it works. So Kenya Vaughn profiled you in The American last week. It was a great story. And you were quoted in her story saying you'd seen it all except for COVID-19. How has this pandemic impacted trying to get these pictures, what you're doing every day, being out there, trying to find people out and about? Uh, it, it just it has intensified a job that is already intense mm-hmm. because now people are like, OK, I've got this mask on I, I, and, and they just don't want to really always be there for that picture. Uh, even we've had this conversations over the past three months in editorial meetings where I'm, I'm saying to them, I'm having a hard time getting pictures. I see one, but they don't want their picture taken or they choose not to be in the paper. Hmm. And, and I, I, I try to be good about that. When I, after I've taken a person's picture and they think they don't want to be in the, in the paper, as badly as I want to use this image, I will delete it completely. Really? That way, that way it never comes back to me as, oh, you shot that picture four years ago. That person did not want this picture used, and now here it is. Mm-hmm. So I even though know. you have a legal right to put that picture yeah. in the paper, you choose not to. Right. And, and, and sometimes uh, there have been times when I've, like, gone ahead and done it anyway because of the power of the picture. But most of the time, I'll delete it right in front of them, mm-hmm. which is also interesting because then they get upset with me. <laughs> They're really? Going, Why are you deleting the picture? I'm like, well, you just told me you don't want to be in the paper. And then they said to me, but you could have given it to me. Oh. I'm like, no, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> yeah, you got to hold the line there. You <laughs> are not right. just yeah. taking pictures for free here. <laughs> yeah, cause, and I've had people be very angry with me about that. I'm like, no, you know, this, this cuts both ways. Hmm. In the profile of you that dealt with your work during the pandemic, you noted that you feel like there's a a false narrative out there suggesting that black people aren't taking COVID-19 seriously. And you felt called to take on that narrative. Do you think you've been able to do that with some of these photos that you've captured of of people wearing masks? Yes and no, because and and then, you know, it cuts twice there. Not only do people think African-Americans aren't taking it seriously, older African-Americans are thinking younger African-Americans aren't taking it seriously. Mm. So when I find a kid that's like he might be in high school, I try to, especially if they're masked up and gloves, I've seen them masked up and photographed them, but never masked up and gloves. Just one kid that I shot, and I pretty much begged him to please let me show you in the paper because I had to make him understand Older adults are thinking you guys are taking this seriously. Here you are, 15, you're a student at Sumner, and you not only are you masked up, you have gloves on. Hmm. And he was sitting alone on a wall. I, I passed by him driving down the street. I had to hook a U-turn and come back to this kid. Do you I, think, I cannot believe this. Do you think that helped to change some of these older people who are thinking, yeah, these kids are all just out partying and, and no masks in sight? It certainly does, because I've always said people, no matter what color or culture, respond to the visual. Hmm. Words are incredibly important, but people respond to the visual. And I use this as an example all the time. When we do a story about a homicide, 
we get no responses from it, no matter how terrible it may be. But let me have a picture of that said homicide in the paper. People are calling, want my job, want to know how, how the paper would allow me to even run a picture like this. Hmm. But they're paying so, attention to that story then because yeah, of that image. That picture grabs everyone's attention. So in light of that, just knowing the power your pictures have, um, what kind of stories do you most prefer to shoot? Would you rather be out there doing these features of kids playing or would you rather be out there at a murder scene? I would rather do the kids playing, mm. but the homicides are part of our culture. It is what is wrong with the culture, and we have to address that elephant in the room. So you feel like there's importance in photographing that, too, and in making yes, people bear witness? Uh, again, because people don't get upset with words. They get upset by the visual. Hmm. And so, that's what makes people want to change things. They're like, okay, we, we can't be seeing this kind of stuff in our publications. Okay, so what are we going to do about it? So it sounds like you're, you're almost happy to upset people at times. You feel like that's necessary. Yes, it is, because the only way you're going to get change is to face the problem. So on the subject of change, you have been doing this a long time, and there's so much perception, those of us who've been here much shorter, oh, St. Louis is so different than it was even two years ago. It's going in this direction. It's going in that direction. Crime's getting worse. Crime's getting better. What's your sense of things? What, from In the 40 years that you've been doing this, do you think the city is on an upward swing, or are things getting worse? The city has always been on the upward swing. It's just these, in, these uh, situations that stop the flow of progression. Hmm. We're moving forward, but there's always something there to slow it down or to almost change the direction of it. And then right as the direction changes, somebody stands up and notices that, hey, we're a little off course here. Can we get back to where we were? Do you think and we're- it, it, it's the fluctuation of life. Things change, you know, even through political regimes, things change. Uh, you might try to keep the pattern on course, but again, things change and you have to change with it. And so things change, and yet it sounds like you, you keep hope in your heart that things are ultimately, in the long run, getting better. What, what leads you to feel that way? Because of one word. I always use this word when it comes to the African-American community, and any community, actually. Collaboration. Hmm. Collaboration you... is the thing. No matter what social sources you go to, no matter what business uh, situations you have as far as financing is concerned, you bring all these parties together. And it's about the collaboration. When there's never any funding, funding shows up. Why? Because somebody that can afford the funding comes to you and goes, we want to help. And do you see more collaboration now within the community than you saw decades ago? Yes, I do. Because it has progressed in a positive manner. People realize that we need help from anyone that can provide it. Hmm. Anyone. Everybody is struggling. If you're below a certain you know, financial line there, you're struggling. And uh, color has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. And yet you see people willing. If, if people um, want to take that help, you see people willing to give it. Oh, very much so. And, and volunteerism is so huge in any society. You can't get anything done without volunteers. After you've found the resources, now you have to pull together a team of people to distribute it to those in need. And you see that. You're out there shooting those kind of situations on a weekly basis. Every weekend, every week. It's not, it's not the Urban League. It's uh, Better Family Life. It's somebody. Well, Wiley Price, you have given me such a jolt of hope that I was not fully anticipating here. And I, I want to thank you so much for joining us and, and sharing your story today. I can't thank you enough for having me on. 
And Wiley, again, is a photographer with the St. Louis American. If he takes your picture, don't make him delete it. Take some amazing shots. (laughs) (laughs) This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.